Hey, you guys hear me? Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year, guys. Can you hear me? Happy yep. New Year, yep. Right on, right on. How's everybody's uh, holiday so far? Good. Yeah, not bad. Quiet, quiet. But yeah, not bad. Yeah, no, I feel that. I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be any real huge parties to talk about. I don't even know if they're going to fucking drop the ball this year. I don't know. Yeah, apparently they but no one's allowed. They're, they're going to um, section it off, apparently, I read. Oh, could mean known American stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't pay close enough attention. Um, oh, that's cool, I guess, though. Fuck it. I mean, well, how's everybody's Christmas? Everybody make out all right? Yep. Real well. Yeah. Real well, says. Santa, Santa brought me a bunch of shit for the podcast. Yeah. Now all we got to do is fucking put some cell phone towers up in Boston, apparently. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well fuck boys what are we talking about today we are talking about the christmas eve murders of rosemary and thomas uva um those of you who don't know who they are they were made famous in the movies rob the mob and wannabe i think it's a great story i do i, I it's just um it, it's one of those stories that's kind of i was watching the film and i was thinking I I, I kept having to remind myself it was based on a true story. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, man. It's fucking, I don't know. I I love, uh, they call them, uh, or somebody calls them, I don't call them, but somebody titled like uh, a pair like that, uh, they're called dyads. Uh, I don't know. I fucking love that term. Uh, Dave Collin, actually, he's a dude who wrote a book on Columbine. He's the one who coined the phrase for me. It's when like two people are kind of like, a freakish, like a freakish whirlwind of circumstances, all wrapped together, but only when they're together. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think, like, I mean, this is a perfect example. I mean, it's these two right here, like, just robbing mob social clubs. And I mean, they had a pretty good run, didn't they? Yeah, fairly well. Apparently, so. I mean, there's rumors that it was as as low as six, but as high as ten, but. Who, who's going to admit? <laughs> who's going to come out and go? I mean, we can say we can say it was a hundred, and no one's going to deny it, and no one's going to confirm it either, are they? I mean, six social clubs, mid nineties. You're probably still talking like twenty k a whack per social club, depending on the day you get it. Yeah, but surely. I mean, just one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One mafia wise guys hideaway. Uh, <laughs> they ain't coming in here and making us drop our pants. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, a little cross promotion there. I like that. Speaking of cross promotion, before we fucking dive down this mm-hmm. rabbit hole, of these lost lovers, you guys want to go around the table, give a few shout outs? Yeah, let me give um, a shout out to our team at Omerta Social Club. 
my team at Prison Tales Network, uh, everybody at National Crime Syndicate and Classic Ink Society, Sarah DePaggio and the Mob King. You know, all you guys, you all know who you are. I, I keep forgetting names, so. Yeah, second, I'll, I'll second everything there with Rob said. Uh, gangster, uh, gangster Files, uh, Organized Crime Shorts and Bad Guy Podcast over on Instagram. Big up to you guys. Um, and also an accidental gangster. Um, Ari Spado that's just started following me on Instagram as well. Yeah. He's got a fantastic story and one hopefully that um, I can pick up soon. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine. He's going to – we could get him on the podcast at some point. That would be fucking awesome. I don't know why we haven't done that yet. Mm. So, yeah, so National Crime Syndicate, as I say, um, and I'll back up uh, uh, Ciro DiPaggio, uh, Arthing, uh, Seth Ranty, Christian Cipollini, um, the same old lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I'm going I'm to double up on some of those big shouts, uh, Casey McBride and uh, all, you know, his whole little setup there at Uncle Frank's place. Uh, that little cue you hear now when you come in, the new like the new intro, uh, Casey McBride actually did that for us. He's uh, I, I come to find a musician as well. And uh, I mean, a really fucking good one, too. So. Big shout out to him. Obviously, Ciro, the Mob King. How you doing, boss? Uh, our thing, clothing apparel. You know, Ronnie the Cockroach, David Randazzo, uh, Scott M. Bernstein, all those guys. You already know I'm going to give a big shout out to Sammy the Bull. What's up, Sammy? <laughs> I like the fucking video you shared like 21 hours ago or whatever. I was on that shit, man. For real. I don't care what it takes. I'm going to get you on here eventually. Uh, I got to give a shout out to Underdog, the Underdog's Journey podcast. They're a business podcast surrounding one of my favorite things on the planet, uh, beer. But uh, they were the boys who uh, let me give uh, Wise Guys Hideaway and Tilly Time Tuesdays a shout out live on their like uh, video podcast they were doing live from a pub. Uh, also, Motor City Sports page, uh, uh, Steve, ah, I forget his fucking last name, now Clemente, I think. He's been letting me share my uh, Tilly Time Tuesdays podcast, so I really appreciate him for that. Uh, I got some more, but well, I'll, I'll get after him later. Uh, let's dive back into these fucking lost, sordid lovers. Uh, let's see, you said Thomas and Rosemary Uva. Uh, now, Thomas was 28 and Rosemary was 31 when they were both clipped, right? Yep. yep. Now, who do you think killed them? There's, um, there's, there's been speculation on that, but... Um, you know, the Gambino family, John Gotti Jr., he... Uh, when... Bonanno crime family underboss Sal Vitale, the brother-in-law of Joseph Messino. When he became an informant, he said that uh, he and Joe Messino had a meeting with John Gotti Jr. And he told them, we took care of it. Um, and there was actually, in May 2007, Gambino uh, captain Dominic Pizzonia, which uh, was convicted of plotting to kill them. But a federal grand jury found the government didn't prove that... Uh, Dominic was actually the one who did it, but it was also suspected that um, Bonanno mobsters Anthony Donato and Vinny Basciano carried out the hits, but I think it's uh, it's anybody's guess. Now, those guys were just soldiers, right, uh, when we're talking about fucking Anthony and Vinny? Well, yeah, Anthony would go on to be uh, the boss of the Bonanno crime family after Joe Messino. He's now doing... Uh, life at the ADX Florence Supermax prison because uh, when Joe Messino was in jail uh, and decided to rat, he wore a wire against Vinny. Fucking bananas, man. 
Yeah, yeah. They, they were obviously robbing uh, Bonanno and Gambino uh, social clubs, wasn't it? That's why it was um, the, the kind of talkies between the Bonanos and the Gambinos. And that's what makes me laugh. No one no one has kind of come out and says, yeah, they robbed our club. Yeah, they robbed our club. But both families have come out and gone, yeah, we killed them. No, it was us. No, it was us. No, it was us. I thought that was quite funny. I mean, it was it was an embarrassment for them that these people are going around, you know, uh, robbing them, and you well, know. So, was, I mean, I I uh, I've caught, kind of done a bit of research using Gary Jenkins over at the Gangland Wire. Big shout out to Gary Jenkins. Yeah, Gary's the man. And um, he was saying he'd done a little bit of uh, research into it himself, um, and obviously I trust Gary's research, so um, that's why I kind of read him and. He was saying that the um, that photo never he couldn't find any evidence of that photo appearing in the New York Times. Was it? What photo was that? The one where they've got their pants down, where the FBI was supposed to have been. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't. That was part of the film and not part of the true story. Then I take it. Yeah, I'm not sure um, how true that was, but I mean, in both movies, I believe it was Rob the Mob and Wannabe. They. Uh, you know, he had them take their clothes off in both of them. So, I mean, it could have happened, but we haven't. You seen know, it. have you seen the picture? Yeah. I haven't. Who me? Yeah, any of us? No, no, I uh, not I, the real life picture. No, no, and I, I would have thought the amount of research that us guys do, um, we would have seen that picture with their pants down outside the outside the social club. These two are fucking like tough fucking safes to crack, man. I was trying to find like, cause I'm a bit, you know me, I'm a big uh, birth date and death date person. I don't know why, just like an OCD thing. I couldn't find either of their birthdays. Like I had a hard time digging up anything. Were they immigrants or like? No, um, Rose Rose Marie Uva, who uh, her birth name and her maiden name is uh, Rose Marie Di Toma. She was born June twenty fifth, nineteen sixty one, and uh, oh, she grew up in the. Ozone Park section of Queens, New York. Um, That's at a young age. At a young age, her father had died, and uh, she became a wild child. And as she grew up, her wild behavior became criminal behavior. And uh, in 1986, she was arrested and convicted for attempted robbery, and she served 15 months in state prison. Now, her mother has not gone on to has not gone into detail about it, but. I guess her uh, son, Rosemary's brother, police officer Anthony Detama, was the one who placed his sister under arrest. Ah, Jesus Christ! That was a fucking big old spiel there, Rob. What you got on old boy? What you got on Thomas? Fuck, take me down the rabbit hole. Yeah, Thomas Uber. One second here. I got it all here. Somewhere. All right. Um, pulling up the the files. Yeah, I got like six. I got yeah, I got like sixteen different um, tags going. Dave, do you have that in front of you? Uh, no, I've, I've, I haven't got the the kind of um, the dates of birth like Ian. And to be honest, because when we were talking about it before in private, and I said about doing a story on it, I thought, well, I could kind of make it up as I go along because there isn't that much research on it, and and unsurprisingly so because of who they were robbing. And I mean, like we said at the start of this show here, that we don't know if it was six, if it was 10, I mean, it could have been 20. Um, so it's kind of, that it's very limited information out there on actually what really happened. And I, I think, um, 
I got carried away with the film. <laughs> I really enjoyed the film. And I thought, yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, hold on a minute. Let me see how much of this has been put into the film and let me see how much is actual the truth. And when you take out the stuff they've added in, there's not that much of a story. It's uh, a guy it never that, is, man. No, well, no is. I mean, there is under kind of when it's the, the mob. I mean, someone's linked to someone else and then another story pops up and then they're linked to someone else. This is a guy that come out of jail. Him and his missus were both on the wrong side of the fence. What gets me is they both grew up in Ozone Park, which, I mean, even I know in England, that is Gambino headquarters. I mean, that that's that's Mafia City, isn't it, Ozone Park? I mean, I'm guessing, yeah, like, that I would... mean, you come up around certain things, I'm guessing eventually maybe, like, it just doesn't shake you, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we see it from afar. I mean, I guess Rob's seen it closer than any of us, and, it, I mean, it's like, I mean, I don't know. How do you feel, Rob? Like, you've br- you brushed in with real fucking real hitters, real real Boston fucking head knockers and shit. And, I mean, they're just people, right? I mean, like, eventually, kind of, in a sense, like, you're like, yeah, they're dangerous people, but fuck, I'm broke, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't have said it better. They, that's exactly, you know, they're, they're people. And when you meet them, like, um, for example, when I was when I was a kid, cause as you guys know, my uncle uh, Billy Wynn was a high-ranking member of the Winter Hill Gang, one of the original eight members. And um, so I, I ran into a few of these guys growing up and I had met Bulger as a kid. But at that time, I had no idea who he who he was. You know what I mean? I was so young that I didn't even know my uncle was a mobster at that that specific uh, oh, you actually time. Got to meet Whitey Bulger? I did. I met him when I was like a kid, but it was like um, it was very brief. My dad, uh, I, I forget where the location was, but my, uh, you know, somewhere in Magoon Square, my mom's. Yeah over here sitting and she said Magoon Square but nice. I think Hi, you know my father brought me in to see him yeah she's decided my father brought me in um and I believe it was uh you know he didn't go back to see him I uh, didn't go back to see Bulger and Jerusalem Bulger says to my father hey don't you ever walk in here again without bringing your uh kid over to see me I can see it yeah, I can see it. I see, the, but the thing with with families and as in like um, organized crime families that, yeah, you, you're protecting territory. You work within your own territory. You work, if you like, on your doorstep. But if you're robbing the mafia, surely the last thing you're going to do is shit on your own doorstep. I mean, they they were literally. I mean, they like were kind of hiding the story in of half plain of the cycle, though, isn't it? They were Isn't that like half the story of the turncoats? Is like they're just in the mob. They're just mob guys robbing the fucking mob. What's the dude? Joe Dogs or whatever the guy who fucking uh wiretapped. Yeah, Joe Dogs. I Yeah, the guy. Oh who, no, no, the guy who wiretapped uh Argro, Tommy Argro, Tommy A. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like he. I mean, his story is he's like he gotten dead in the track. Didn't want to fucking pay his cut every week and was. I mean, essentially, you're you're robbing the mob. You know what I mean? These mm-hmm. two are just like. Not connected and doing it like at gunpoint or however they were doing it. They should have just started catching bodies, to be honest about it. I mean, really, if you're going to go balls deep, you might as well, like, I mean, you might as well just start smoking some fucking Bro, made guys and really putting a rep that on. gun out once. You might as well put it in someone because you are going to, regardless of how long it takes, you're going to die. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're gonna Especially depending who you robbed. I'd like to, I really would like to know who that, Sammy the Bull, was it you? Was it you, Sammy? Did they get you? Is that why they're dead? I don't know. Come talk about it. I don't know. Did they go? To, well, no, it wouldn't have been, would it? Because it was listening to Sammy's testimony in court. Uh, oh, yeah. Trial, 
which is where they come talk about it anyway. Now I can see that being true because I mean, they like, even the guy that ran that company for for former prisoners who used to be it was a former the call center debt collecting agency. He was spoken to afterwards, and he said that um, that they were very much into the John Gotti trial. And Gary says Gary Jenkins goes uh, mentions it and says that. Sammy the Bull would have been asked questions about specific social clubs. And they do, when I've read all like the court materials, they do give the addresses in full. So, yeah, you can quite easily see them have gone to court, heard the social clubs. and Because obviously it was from Sammy that they found out that no one was armed in the social club, wasn't it? Well, fuck, Dave. Wait around on my parade. I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I know one of the social clubs they robbed belonged to um, Dominic Pazonia, the guy who was uh, yeah, charged with it. Yeah, so I know one, um, his social club. I'm not sure what it was or what the name was or where it was located. Is but, that the Waikiki? Um, his was one. The What's Waikiki. That? Is that that one? It's possible. Yo, you think they got the math app, boys? I'm doing like I'm doing like the time frame here, and I'm doing the math in my head. And if they're if they're sticking up Gambino and uh, Banana, like they they could have very easily got the fucking the bath app crew. Yeah, you just don't know, do you? I mean, that's who's gonna Jimmy Calandra? Come on and talk about it. I mean, the only one that you can really uh, is the one uh, where they Joey D, um, where they got the Gambino. Uh, Salvatale's um, family uh, written down because that actually happened. They, it, but after they got shot, when they were killed, the police raided their flat, and that's when they found the um, uh, uh, the list of names that was alleged. Whole bunch of money. They found a whole Joey bunch of money. D. Yeah, and that was at the Waikiki. These fucking people, man. I'm telling you, it's the same thing with the fucking North, uh, the North Hollywood shootout bank robber guys. They had like fucking like 1.1 million in cash at their stash house when police raided it afterwards because they didn't know how to fucking launder money. They didn't. I don't understand. Like I don't get it. There's so many stories like this to where there's like once again dyads apparently like they're never very bright, but like together they're definitely like a dangerous combination. You know, you're Bonnie and Clyde's, you're fucking Sid Vicious and Nancy. You fucking. I mean, I, I mean, I had to throw that one in there, right? But no, seriously, though, I mean, like, to where it's just, like, two people against the entire fucking world, and, like, they're usually bad at it. But they have a, I mean, they have a hell of a run. Like, same with them guys from, uh, like, 97 in North Hollywood. They fucking shoot it out for, like, 47 minutes. Them sons of bitches robbed, I think, like, eight or nine fucking armored trucks and banks. And, like, they, I mean, they took down, like, 3.6 mil. But, like I said, when the police found their stash house, man, it was full of money because they didn't know what to do with it. What was that film with Woody Halson? Um, Natural Born Killers. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, that's why I can't watch any of these stupid fucking wannabes or Rob the Mob or anything. Cause dude, I do. I fucking love Natural Born Killers. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. But when they um, weren't this um, uh, Tommy and Rosemary, when they nicknamed Body and Clod. <laughs> yeah, they were nicknamed. Yeah, they were nicknamed Body and Clod. <laughs> yeah, but it was uh, instead of Clyde, they called it Clod, C L O D, for some reason. I don't know why. Huh. But we 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 already gave um Rosemary's uh birth an early story. Now Thomas Uber was born May seventeenth, uh, a couple of weeks after I was born. Um, 
he was born May 7th, well, I was born in 88. He was born May 17th, 1964 to Anthony and Fanny uh, Uva of the Bronx, New York. Um, he was raised in Burroughs, Southeastern Throg, Thro- Southeastern Throgs neck section. I could be uh, saying that wrong. His father had a florist shop on uh, East Tremont Avenue. Yeah, that part was true as well, wasn't it? The- yeah, and uh, the the year that they were married, uh, Rosemary uh, and Thomas Uber, when they married, Thomas's father accidentally shot himself and uh, died from his injury. How do you accidentally shoot yourself? I don't know. You know, it's fucking, you know, when I was uh, 15, I, I don't want to name name drop anybody, but when I was 15 at a party, um, a friend of mine was playing with a gun and uh, he shot himself in the face Jesus with Christ. it. Jesus Christ. Oh, man, I'm telling you, yeah. something about being from the city. Fucking, out here in the middle of nowhere, man. Yeah. Like, I don't know. You grow up learning how to handle guns and that they'll blow your face off. Well, I was, I was years ago, yeah. um, a friend of mine, um, we had a, a shotgun. Uh, and it was one of the first times, I mean, I was quite young. Um, it was one of the first times I ever fired a gun, but I think I had it set right, but my shoulder blade at the back was about two inches away from the floor. We were out in a field in this ditch. So obviously the recoil, my shoulder, that would have been it. My shoulder, especially that young as well, it's bad enough as it yeah. when I did end up firing it. But I could imagine literally just being away from a solid uh, position behind my shoulder would have been mashed i fucking love firing guns so i don't know <laughs> I, I do that was, I and that was only when we was out like messing about <laughs> is it hard to get guns over there dave uh in one aspect i mean it's not hard to get anything obviously anywhere isn't it i mean um you for a while there was the dark web uh that i mean you you can still access the dark web and get bits and pieces off of there. I mean, you used to be able to get assassins off there, but they don't do it anymore. They drop the pages of those. Like there's, they like they've got a moral on the dark web. Oh no, sorry, we can't have uh, can't have assassins on here. But you can buy as much heroin and cocaine as you want. Um, but yeah, I mean, but other than that, you you kind of got to be in the know, really. Um, it's not the sort of question. I mean, I, I would have thought in America there's some uh, take out the gun shops. Obviously, I would have thought there's places in America you know you could go to, and they'd be under the counter guns. But over here, oh, absolutely, yeah, over here not so much. And you've got a lot of, uh, I suppose, Eastern European organised crime uh, members, families, and of course, then Dlangata as well. They they're quite. Um, their web's quite um, quite widely spun, and I, I think the tentacles, or whatever you want to call them, have already reached uh, England. So, I mean, on that side of things, there it is available, but you really do have to be in that life and in that kind of in the know to be able to get them. I've just heard you're like more likely to get like hatcheted or like bludgeoned to death, even even in like the underworld over there than you are to get shot like it's nice, if, you, if you get if you get shot fucking somebody like somebody's really really gunning for you yeah but I, yeah it all depends like dave said it all depends on who you know you know what i mean like in boston it it but you know I, I don't know about exactly today but back when i was a kid um it wasn't hot at all to uh, get weapons you know people i we me and my friends actually uh we had a we had a 38 revolver and um we sold it and the kid gets in the car with us and we're driving, you know, driving around the block. And, um, he's like, you know, I mean, does it work? Blah, blah, blah. 
my buddy Tony, uh, I won't give his full name, he pulls, he rolls down the window and he shoots the stop sign to show that it uh Yeah, fuck it, it works. Well, the, the thing is here, and over here you've got, um, it, it's we've got an issue. It, it's kind of like organised crime. I'm, at the end of the day, I mean, anyone, what's organised crime specified as a, a group of three committing a crime that will receive a prison sentence of over four years, I think is how they define <clears> organised <throat> crime. So we've got a thing over here called County Lines, and it's where the drug dealers and the big guys in the, in the bigger cities are kind of spreading out, and they're taking over smaller, excuse me, they're taking over smaller towns, smaller cities um, by bullying locals uh, in what's known as cookering. They take over flats, uh, and some people get paid for the flat being taken over, some people just have their flats taken over because they're vulnerable and weak. Um, so what you find is when there's a gun being used, or should I say a gun being caught, the police normally find that that gun has been used in more than one um, offence or incident, um, and occasionally around the country. So you'll find that a gun that's been caught from a gang in London has been used by a couple of gangs in Manchester. It's been used by a gang in Oh yeah, Liverpool. That's, that's pretty common over here. Yeah, the too. same arsenal, the same weaponry is kind of doing the rounds within these gangs because when it comes down to it, you've only got, if you like, the top echelon of the gangs in the big cities, but it seems like there's a huge problem because you've got this county line situation. But again, it's that hierarchy thing. You just kind of think that the county lines, the guys that are doing the, the, the running are like your associates and your soldiers. They're just low level. And most of the crime involved in that is, is knife crime. Um, knife crime is just, it's crazy over here. Or Yeah, they fucking get down over there. The it's, it's mental, absolutely mental. It's just, it's just crazy. And you've got kids walking about with knives and they don't even know why they're carrying them apart from other the fact that it's going to protect them. So the chance of them using it or using it and not being taken off them and used against them is very, very slim. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's always going to be the case that it's just for protection. So you've got someone that doesn't really know what it is that they're carrying in one aspect. And then they use it the guy that they used it on dies and bosh, you've got two families completely ruined um, all because this one guy don't know what he's doing in respect, in some aspects other than protecting himself. See, Yeah. That's the thing with those guns um, that, that, you know, you buy on the street, almost all of them are used and they were sold for one reason or another, you know, so they could have a body on them or they could have several yeah, bodies exactly. on them. Usually, usually like traded you say, you've only done the one. Oh, no, I only used it the once, mate. It's like, yeah, all right, bruv. <laughs> of course you do. Yeah, I was never much of a gun person, meaning meaning I never um, never carried a gun or anything like that. But, I mean, I'd always have to have a knife on me just uh, just in case. At least you got something. You know what I mean? Especially if you're a I, I, won't, I won't not deny it. Ah. Um, I did used to carry a knife around, um, unfortunately. I used it a few times as well. So, I'm not, I mean, I'm not proud of it. Um, it is what it is, and, and I've done the time for it as well. So um, it, it's it's it is a crazy, <laughs> it's crazy, it's crazy how that that what that knife becomes. If that makes sense, it's more than 
being a knife. It's hard to explain. <laughs> no, yes. I mean, everything's kind of got its own destiny that it fulfills. It's like, a, I don't know where I heard it the one time, but they're like a bomb has only one goal and that's to complete itself mm. into like total annihilation. You know what I mean? I, I, like I said, I don't know if it was a shitty eighties movie or actually somebody who is worth a fuck that I heard that from, but uh, yeah. like, I don't know when I thought about it, it was kind of, I mean, same thing with like every concept to me though, is like, it's just a tool. You know what I mean? Like watch three guys, one hammer and you'll see what a hammer and a screwdriver can do to somebody real quick. Like you're going to outlaw them. Like, no, we got to build houses. We got to, you know, you got fucking electricians need screwdrivers, carpenters need hammers. Same with like guns and knives, man. They're they're tools. Mm-hmm. Like it's all on the person. You know, the, like the gun just is there. The knife is just there. The thing is, though, it's all on the person. Yeah, using the, it. the thing with a gun is, and and I'm, I hope this comes out the right way. Anyone can fire a gun at someone. It, oh, absolutely. It, and I think, and I, and I know it's been said in a film that about a knife is is up close and personal. So yeah, you've yeah. got kids using knives that were only used up close and personal by not sick people, not psychopaths, but real head cases. But these kids are using them left, right and centre with, with, with no qualms at all. Do you know what I mean? And that's wrong. That, that when, when, especially with a knife, which as I say, is up close and personal. When that, when that kind of, Hurdles being. Crossed. I mean, peeling somebody's shit backs up close and personal too, though. You know? They should be shit scared carrying it, let alone using it. Do you know what I mean? And where have we come to now that thirteen-year-olds, twelve-year-olds feel comfortable carrying a knife? It just, I it just. I mean, me. that's just. I don't know. That's what. That's where I got a weird ass fucked up view of things because like not that long ago that actually would have been completely normal. Like we got a nice little glimpse of life without that. Like. Honestly, the last few things that people do that are still natural are sleep, eat, uh, like procreate, you know what I mean? Have sex. And then like it's fucked up as it is to say, murder each other. Mm. That's it. That's like all our primal instincts that are left. Other than that, it's phones and watching TV and notifications and going to work. And, you know, like, we, I mean, we barely even do the whole finding food and shit ourselves. I'll, they'll feed me out of a window 10 out of 10 times as long as I got money. Like. <laughs> You know what I mean? So, like, it's fucked up to say, but, like, murder is one of the last natural things that's left in, like, our primal, mm. you know, psychological build. Like I said, a lot of people aren't going to like that. A lot of people don't like that. This is why I'm not really welcome at family dinners. I mean, I'm welcome, <laughs> but, like, this is why they're, like, this is why they're, like, God damn it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't love them getting not, not <laughs> Now, I was just reading through something um, as you guys were talking about, and about them, uh, about the robberies and stuff. And it says that um, the part of uh, where he did make the gangsters take off their pants is true. Nice. Um, he went in with a Uzi submachine gun and uh, demanded that everybody turn over their cash and jewelry, then insisted that they all drop their pants. And uh, I, I get that to a certain degree, but I, what I don't get about that part and what I don't believe is that he made them lie on top of each other and, like, um, uh, and perform fake sex on each other, like. Oh no! Yeah, I never heard down, that. Part. You can kind of believe because try chasing after someone with your trousers around your ankles. So, well, the, yeah, that was it. They put the, you know, he probably figured no one was going to want to go run outside with um, 
you know, with yeah, fucking no pants on or anything. But um, they they were pursued once after at that like some of the clubs that we um that that we know um they robbed they robbed a um a Gambino club, uh, Veterans and Friends club at 1468 86th street in bensonhurst brooklyn run by james jimmy brown fiala uh they targeted uh also targeted two unnamed clubs on bath avenue in yeah. bath beach brooklyn one was run one was run by george tico uh de chico brother of uh frankie de chico who was uh blown up in his in the car bomb um that one was located at 168 bath avenue near um Near Bay, near Bay something, Avenue near Bay, um, Bay 13th Street, I think. And two other clubs that they robbed, one was run by uh, Anthony yes. Sparrow, who was a legendary yes. Gambino, Banano. I mean, a yeah. Banano mobster. Um, that was on yeah. Bath Avenue and yeah. 6th Street. And, um, and then the one who uh, I talked about earlier, who was charged with plotting their murders, um, Skinny Dom, Pazonia's Club in Ozone Park. They actually robbed that place twice. Um, on one of the one of the occasions, I don't know if it was the first or second time they robbed it. Um, the members pursued them, uh, got in a car, and chased them. But Rosemary, who was the getaway driver, she was able to, uh, you know, outrun them. But they jotted down their. Uh, license plate number so um She's a scrawny little that's thing, how man. they scrawny little females make good getaway drivers. do you know what though they, they, they fun, good luck to them as well because they must have kept it between themselves because at the end of the day they live in the middle of mafia city <laughs> so actually i think i think they were kind of eh about it because like the one the one thing that stuck out to me the one thing i made sure to write down was as at one point one of thomas's like i mean friends associates whatever the fuck you want to call them when you're growing up like that comes to him he's like hey man you guys gotta knock at that shit off like they're they, like they know who you are like you get, you get robbing the mob you're gonna die are you serious and fucking thomas just looked at him and shrugged and said eh, everybody dies eventually like that's fucking ballsy dude yeah that, that's a pretty brazen shit to say yeah yeah, informants had um had said that on numerous occasions when Thomas Uber would go into the clubs, he'd a- antagonize them, uh, you know, make fun of them and make fun of the he way their hair was. There as well, and, didn't he? Rubbed it um, and like messed it up, which. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then one of the guys in the um club said, like Ian just said to uh said to him, you know. You know, I you, I assure you, you're gonna be killed for this, and he goes, "Oh, everybody dies." Was- so. Salvatore they, um, said in his uh, testimony that uh, it did rub someone's head. I mean, they had to have known they were going to catch up with them sooner or later. Yeah, were they? Drug I mean, were they? Drug were they what? Oh yeah, yeah. They were. Um, yeah, they were both big on big on them, drugs. Right? Um, when, and when uh, Rosemary, she was clean because they were both working for that guy, wouldn't they? Didn't they clean uh, up the pair of them? Yeah, but I mean, they were both on drugs um, at one point. I don't know um, at the end if they were both clean or not, but there's... That just explains um, the quote. I guarantee he was on drugs when he looked dead at somebody. I was like, eh, everybody dies eventually. Good talk, champ. Yeah, Winton. Uh, Thomas, Thomas, his <laughs> criminal career, um, they say, began after, after um, 
his marriage, but it, it had to have begun a little before because before Rosemary had went to jail for that attempted burglary, um, they were they were supposedly seeing each other at that time, and they were married basically right as she got out. So um, that, and then in 1992, Thomas Uva um, was convicted of attempted burglary and sent to prison um, in the summer of 1989, and he was paroled in May 1992. And uh, Rosemary was Rosemary, I'm sorry, was working as an employee at. Uh, a Manhattan collection agency and she had convinced her boss to give Thomas um, a job there. Um, he ended up getting laid off, but hmm. he was um, working there and it was, I think uh, he was laid off maybe a month before they were killed. I got a conspiracy theory now, guys. I got oh. hey, work with me oh. for a second. I think it's perfectly viable to think that those Bath Ave kids, like Galeno and all of them, might have clipped these two. I don't think um, Galino and them. You don't? Uh, I think it's Dominic. Had I, I, the, the, all of the kind of circumstantial evidence, if you will, does lead to Pizzonia being the one that pulled the trigger. Pizzonia is the one who ordered it. He never yeah. pulled the trigger, did he? It, again, it, it's it's <laughs> it really is one of those there's not much information that you was a pretty high ranking guy to pull the trigger, and now I'm starting to even think that about Anthony Donato and uh Vinny Bassini Bassina, well, however, you say his name. that's Bassiano because, like, they're both I mean, they're both made guys at this time. These two aren't connected to the Costa Nostra, these two aren't Costa Nostra really at all. I mean, yeah, they, they ripped you off, but like, that seems like some fly shit that you throw some like some wannabes, you know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, <laughs> no play on words, but. Well, yeah, and Pazonia, he has an alibi, uh, alibi for that day, um, for the day of the murders. His um, 78-year-old mother-in-law, well, not his mother-in-law, it was his mistress's mother, she testified that he was home all day the day that happened. And um, uh, I, I don't know if he was helping her cook or something like that, but um, I guess she was his alibi. That'd be cool. And there was, really fi- cool pick, uh, there was a five. There was a five. Sorry, Rob. Yeah, no, yeah. There was a five-week um, trial. It concluded in on May 11th. The jury convicted Pizzonia on one count of racketeering conspiracy related to participating in the uh, planning of the Uber killings. The jury cleared him of charges relating to performing the actual murder and engaged. Uh, an extortion so i mean if he has an alibi for that day you know the lady could be lying for him or but like ian said he is he was a little too high ranking probably to actually go out well, there well, and uh, um, pull gary, the gary's, this, man. I'm in, I'm the, I'm gary's got now. a good bit ian. ian gary's got a good bit he says that the government was able to prove that john gotti jr had received confirmation from gotti senior to go ahead and eliminate the uvers obviously he went to see his dad in prison Gotti Jr. had informed Banana leader Joe Messino the rumours going around indicating Banana soldiers Anthony Donato and Vincent Bacciano had murdered the Uvers were untrue and that they, the Gambinos, claimed the hit as theirs. It was our skinny Dom that did the job, Gotti Jr. is alleged to have said in various meetings, according to testimony from the government's informant. It was our trophy, is what was said. But the government informant apparently is Michael DiLeonardo, Mickey Scars. So 
take that as as with as much salt as you want. I was gonna say for a guy who uh, likes a little more, there's got to be more than what we're given. You're really uh, ready to put the bow on this one. You're always diving down the rabbit hole with Appalachian <laughs> and just any other any other thing that Jay. I'm quoting Gary Jenkins. <laughs> I'm feeding you gold conspiracy, and you're over here like I don't know. He and the testimony says, and the federal docket says. <laughs> as, as, I mean, come well, come on, back man. at me for that on the Appalachian stuff, then. I don't mind. <laughs> no, yes, I, no, I, I always say like I think. It's, <laughs> I think it's all a lie. Honestly, once we break it down, I'm all like, you know what? No matter what they say, we don't. Of course, we don't. Mind. We weren't there. That's there's only, minute. We there's only a few that were 100. percent We weren't there. I mean, we, and that's what I was saying to someone the other day. So I can do as much research and fact checking as you can, but at the end of the day, the only people that know what actually went on are the people that were there. And we yeah. we, we exactly. rely on testimony. And now that morning, rats. Um, we re- what I enjoy relying on is the wiretaps from the FBI. But and that for me is something as well that surely 1992, that was the period when the FBI were putting in wiretaps like no one's business. They must have had it. Yeah, but that's the period where the Bath Abbas kill crazy too and like on a fucking 25-body tank. So the FBI, I reckon the FBI know more than they let on about what went on. Because they must have had most of oh, those Oh, yeah, because clubs. of who they let go. Most, near enough, all of them clubs. I mean, they had the Bergen Hunt and Fish Bar uh, Club bugged. So why they could and not have, and the way the FBI were working, they were working from the bottom up then because they were trying to link blah, blah, with blah, blah, and so on and so forth. So they would have started off in the, in the lower clubs to get the information and probable cause to be able to bug the other clubs. So I reckon they, they, they probably had about 80% of them clubs bugged. So I wouldn't be surprised the FBI know more. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In Chin, uh, Vincent Chin Gigante, in his club, there was actually um, – a sign on the wall next to the phone telling people to be careful what you that's, say because the place I want, is bugged. I want access to the FBI tapes for everything. <laughs> from, from, from the oh, dude, I, feel, I feel you, man. They're so, they're, they're so much kept back. No, I feel you. Not only do I want it for the mafia, I need it for the mm. Columbine files, the fucking the basement tapes, the actual 25 minutes of those two are, like allegedly saying exactly why they're going to do what they're going to do and giving like as definitive of a reason as you can for going completely fucking bonkers and you know trying to blow up and then shooting up your high school you know i mean as definitive of a reason as you can give or something like that but uh jefferson county uh sheriffs won't release them they've been shown uh once they were shown to the victims families and the families of the shooters and the brown family actually because they bullied their way in shouts out to randy brown he's an og he's got everything you can have on columbine uh but, uh, yeah, they've never shown them since, and they claim they're destroyed, and I know for a goddamn fact they're not, and there's a lot of transcripts they won't uh, let out, and I'm pissed about that, too. So, yeah, they're just they're just always fucking yeah. everything, Dave, if you really want to. The feds are so uh, so sneaky, like, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of cops, like, there's a, the only thing worse than a cop is a dirty cop, you know what I mean? Like, these guys, the, the shit they do, for example, when Neil Dollar Croach died, um, the feds, they, they, they put out a, um, a lie saying that uh, he was an informant, no, Delacroix, for years. 
And that's complete bullshit. But they would do that with a lot of people who died. That way there, it's got the rest of the guys wondering, holy fuck, if this is true, then they got me on this, they got me on that. But there's no way that would approach. would have put a 38 special in his mouth and swallowed a bullet himself before he ever fucked That man Absolutely. was close to the fullest. If there's few people who represented what the life through was and through. Be, that and on the side life. of that as well, Rob, um, most of the, especially the FBI documentation, the redacted stuff that is like reading stuff through a letterbox, um, they're just codes. Um, all of these informants are literally just codes. So um, obviously TE at the end is top echelon. So they're the ones you really want to look for, but they're still codes. How do we know they're not just the FBI added information? Yeah, that's how I feel about ballistics yeah. reports. Once again, now I'm on a fucking Columbine rant. But yeah, reading ballistics reports, I'm like, dude, you guys are just fucking half guessing. All right. Like, you're telling me you really fucking went in there and broke down where every shot in a library where two kids just shot the shit up for seven minutes just at random. Like, you went down. You really? Come on. Well, now, was proven, come on. You went. You went and got the you went and got the definitive ones, the kill shots. That, I mean, because like once a bullet enters a body, you can take it out and examine. Blah blah blah. It's fuck, pretty gross, but but yeah, all the ones in the windows and fucking all over the, the wall. Like, come on, man, get the fuck out of here. Don't tell don't tell me you actually no no you didn't you didn't forensics team. Now about the about the deaths, like the day um the day it happened on the morning of Christmas Eve, nineteen ninety two. They were, um, it's believed that they were going to do some Christmas shopping. Uh, I believe uh, Rosemary was on the phone with her mom shortly after they left. But um, they left their house in Ozone, Ozone Park. They had an apartment um, at 38th Street in Ozone Park, Queens. And um, they were, they get in their four-door maroon Mercury Topaz car. It's a real small car. And they were driving down um as they got to the intersection of woodhaven boulevard and 103rd avenue they were at a red light and that's when they were supposedly um shot each each of them was shot uh three times i believe thomas uber was shot first and then uh and then her and now without without their foot i forget which one of them was driving but now obviously they're at this red light yeah once their foot you know their their shot their foot comes off the brake and the car rolls through the intersection and collides with another car and then it collides into a uh, brick wall and uh you can anybody who's listening if you go to um my omerta social club page on facebook or instagram you'll be able to see some uh pictures from it was 8 30 a.m uh 8 30 a.m when all this went down you imagine that shit? You're fucking out there, sleepy-eyed, last-minute Christmas shot. Not even the people killing and the people being killed, but like, just your every, you're just your everyday people. You know, there's some bum on the corner, he's asking for money. You know, there's some fucking person waiting on the crosswalk thing, impatient, smoking a cigarette. A couple cars are stopped, and then like, you know, you see this shitty fucking little maroon mercury pull up. You don't think nothing of it, and then bat, 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 boom, crash. Fall. You're like, Jesus, H, crew, what the fuck? And then you gotta spend the next two hours giving a testimony and shit. Like, man. Yeah, because there weren't a lot of wild witnesses, were there? <laughs> I'm sure there were a handful that were just like, no, nah, man, I don't know what the no, it was. Christmas Eve. I only was Santa. It was just like, um, it's Christmas, it's Christmas Eve morning, though, 8 30 in the morning. Are you kidding me? That's like my dad's prime time hour for shopping. He fucking up, he's up and at it. Christmas Eve morning, yeah, <laughs> that's that's yeah. And now, I believe it happened right about, um, 
they left the house at eight thirty, and I, I believe the uh, shooting happened close to nine. Um, I think it was about a mile, a mile and, away from uh, so they were watching the home away then. from their home when it uh happened. But yeah, it was a busy, you know, as any new uh, Christmas Eve would be. It was a very busy day. There was fucking cars everywhere. So, um, I'm surprised there wasn't as many, you know, more witnesses that came forward about it but then again it doesn't matter how many people seen it they probably won't say shit knowing it was a a mob hit but thomas uber his mom didn't uh she she actually said before they even knew what happened because at first not even the cops knew but his mother had said um that it sounded like a mob hit to her but she doesn't understand why it would be because her son had uh no criminal dealings with Hmm. the mob I mean, it's funny that it's funny that we always Which, use that term. Like, uh, you know, I'm not surprised any witnesses came forward because it was a mob hit. But like, I mean, I researched dozens of, I mean, essentially contract killings via like gangbangers, bikers, whatever, what have you. It just seems like if somebody rolls up and smokes a motherfucker, everybody around's like, oh, that person's a killer. He'll <laughs> kill me if you know I I finger him in court, and they just mind mm-hmm. their business. It, I hit some real. It's a exactly. really crazy set of circumstances that people are like just shy of my. Oh, not over here, brother. People queue up. <laughs> on him. I mean, there's still that's, there's still decent people like, like tea and coffee for the witnesses. You know, I mean, wrong, but... Did anyone see it? But I mean, like you hear you hear several shots ring out, and then there's two. Like, I mean, I mean, it's not like these yeah, two people were grassing their neighbors old, up for having no, more than five people. people in their houses. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think I mean, yeah, I'm from, be I'm an from issue. the middle of nowhere, so I, I feel you. <laughs> Far too many witnesses. But I mean, they, I, I mean, hey, it's come to be shown that places like that middle of nowhere, that quiet, like, oh, everybody knows everybody, and like, yeah, people would call the cops or like they, you know, they don't lock their doors. Well, that's where the craziest shit happens, man. That's that's where the most bodies get caught in one mm. little sitting, you know, like in a place where like you're used to hearing gunshots and like or violence and stuff like, like Flint. Like, ask some of my people in Flint. Like, if, if they were just, they were walking down the street, they're, you know, they're minding their own, they're on their cell phone, they're whatever, bap, 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 and all of a sudden, boom, crash. There's a car crashed into a pole, and two motherfuckers sitting in the in the car with three each in them. The, I mean, like, if they stick around for the cops to come to give a statement, all they're going to be like is, hey, I was on my phone. You know, I was walking to the gas station. It's 8.30 in the morning. It's Christmas Eve, man. You know, I ain't trying to get involved in none of this. I don't know what happened. It was a red light. I heard a couple, you know, bat baps. I look up. Next thing you know, cars crash into a pole, man. I don't know. Like, that's the thing that you're going to give. You weren't, I would never be watching a four door maroon Mercury Topaz at 8 30 in the morning at a four way intersection intimately. I would never be like, I wonder what's going on in her life. You know what I mean? It's just a part of your day that passes by with nothing whatsoever. So by the time the shooting's done and dusted, You've looked round and everyone's gone, and there's just a car rolling. Exactly, man. Exactly. Like, it always takes people a minute to get what's going on with mass hysteria. I mean, look at like 9 11, Oklahoma City, Virginia Tech, Columbine, any of those. It always takes people a few minutes to understand what's going on, and there's a lot of craziness going on. So, when something's like, when something's quick and precise, and like there's a target, there's a purpose, there's a principle, we're in, we're out, like the Albert Anastasia, the Paul Castellano. The Carmine Galantes. The that's over so fast that anybody who did see something didn't see it. Just and then you got the craziness of Castellano. My opinion. The craziness of Castellano, where it's like uh, midtown Manhattan, half past five, just before Christmas. Um, the craziness that could have been Castellano, but they only hit 
Castellano yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I mean, they've done, they, they, but what a place to do it and what a time to do it. That's, that's, but with, with the Uber hit, they're in Ozone parking, mate. I mean, the chances are 10%. I mean, 103rd and is that still Ozone? Uh, Woodhaven Boulevard. Where is that? Where I'm is assuming that? it was just after they left their house. So no doubt someone was watching them overnight. I see them get in the car. They pulled off. Wait to get around oh, the yeah. corner. Perfect moment. Pop, pop. So, yep, nineteen ninety two. They were living in Ozone Park, so therefore I wouldn't have thought. Well, it was only a mile down the road when it only got a mile away. So I would have thought it's still. So what I'm saying is, most of the witnesses were probably were more than likely related or connected to the Gambinos anyway. <laughs> well, the Bananos, because right. it was like right. in that area. So you're not going to get many witnesses because they they're used to not being witnesses. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. I suppose. Oh, no, absolutely. Hey, Rob, what happens when you commit a crime in Southie? Who saw something? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> not, not a, a fucking movie. soul. That's the thing. That's the thing, you know, it's witnesses, like, it? it's not even, it's not, it's not even just about the fear here, though. It's like, literally, people just don't talk. I mean, you know, it's called the Code of Silence. Here, we call it Boston's Code no, of Silence. No, you guys got I hard, mean, like, You know, yeah, even people that uh, have nothing to do with crime or anything like that, they still don't talk. It's just the way things was. Not even a, just because of fear of uh, retribution. Do you think that's they just did not do it? Because like I was saying about 10 minutes ago about dirty cops. I mean, Boston had its fair share, didn't it? The same as New York. And that, for me, and, and Philadelphia, I mean, the yep. areas where there seems to be a lot of uh, condemnation of the police are also the areas where... Not, though, not so long ago, it was full of pre- police corruption. So it's like that that kind of hatred still there. Anybody? <laughs> oh, I'm here. I'm here, bro. Yeah. I'm... He was asking you if you think that's what it, that's part of what it is, Rob, is, I mean. Yeah. No, I feel like that's one of my favorite lines in the, I mean, the movie's lost its touch since Black Mass and Bulger and all that. Uh, but The Departed, one of my favorite scenes is Matt Damon's at like the door talking to like this middle-aged woman. And he's like, I knew your son, uh, Miles. He was behind me in school, but you know, I want to get these guys. I want to get this, who did this to him. Like, do you want to get, do you want to help me get the guys who killed your son? And she's like, allegedly. And he's all like, allegedly, what is that supposed to yeah. be? He's all like, listen, if he was killed, he probably did something <laughs> wrong. And he's like, wrong. He's like, not the robbery. That wasn't wrong. He's like, do you do something else wrong? And Jack Nicholson all then passed. And she goes, uh, I go fuck yourself. And like, he shuts the door and he turns to the guy. He's like, did you get that? And the one, the other detectives are like, allegedly, I fuck yourself. Like, <laughs> Sorry, bro. Go on, mate. Yeah. Now, about whoever um, whoever was the shooter that morning, whatever, one shooter, two shooters, Wait, if it was Bazzoni or not. Um, it's I, I I'm leaning more towards the Gambinos uh, were behind it because there's just more uh, evidence to it. Like um, you know, John John Gotti was talking to his father um, when his father was uh, being held in, I believe, Manhattan uh, prison. They were talking about it, and then um, I was seeing right here. It says there's also there was also some evidence beyond the statements of informants. Federal authorities were in possession of. A recorded conversation from Ray Brook Federal Prison, located near Lake Placid, New York, uh, captured John Gotti Jr., who was visiting someone, telling an inmate about the killings, um, and me- even mentioned about the st- him talking to his father about it. Um, but 
investigators suspected that Dominic Pizzonia, uh Ronald Ronnie one um to to Trujillo, yeah, Chicaro, um, and uh, a driver were in, uh, were involved in it. So um, maybe you know the driver was in the car and Pizzonia and uh, Chicaro got out and uh, did the shooting. If that's the, the way it went down, that you know, unless he was in prison, I can't. Don't think he was in '92. I know his brother was, um, but Charles Carneglia, he was the. That would have been. Oh, Charlie Wagons. Uh, sorry, Ian. Yeah, um, yeah, Charles Caniglia, because uh, his brother would have been in jail, and he, he, I think he went away in '89, didn't he? Because he got 50 year with Gene. Got oh, that's not Charlie oh, Wagons. Sorry, mate. Head, I, I, I didn't uh... hear. It was, it's um. No, no, no. You're good. I said Charlie Wagons. That's, uh, that's Charles... Charles. Yeah, Charles Carnegie. Yeah, Charles Carnegie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it because uh, John Carneglia just got, I think it was 80, 89 when he got 50 year with uh Angelo Ruggiero and Gene Gotti. Uh, so yep. it, Charles would have been, I think Charles was out in 92. So I'm wondering if, um, if it would have been the Gambinos with Charles Carneglia at that time still the enforcer, if you like. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm, I'm back in I'm back in my harebrained story, man. I'm telling you, there's a kill crazy bunch of kids fucking from Bensonhurst around that era, and uh, I don't know. I wouldn't put it past Junior to uh shoe this hit onto somebody else. I I don't really I don't know. I I hold John Gotti Senior and like who he's alleged to have ordered murders on and done murders on. So like that. I, I hold that in high regard. I reckon the Genovese uh, family put these two up to it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, Junior, he would just he would just follow orders. You know what I mean? He wasn't like um. You know, the one making the decisions and all that. I so, can see him passing uh, on a different word, though. You know, I mean, you go see your dad, you get back, and they say, so what senior say? What senior say? And you're like, oh, what? Uh, he wants he wants some banano guys to do the hit. He feels like they owe us. You know what I mean? That's just me. I'm just talking shit, man. I mean, fuck, I'm two, be- I'm two beers deep over here, you know? Well, yeah, I guess I guess they were, like, beefing the banano in the uh, Gambino family about who, who you know, was doing – was doing the hit. They both wanted to uh, get it done, and it even came to the point where they had to have uh, a sit down. They over actually it. did we rock are, um, Sparrow. That's what I'm saying. That's why I was like, I didn't even know that earlier. When you said that, I fucking almost shit a brick. I was like, hell yeah, they robbed Sparrow's club, dude. I'm telling you, I don't know if it was Galino himself, but fuck that little that little batch of fucking that little batch of nut jobs, man. I'm telling you, I want to get Nick Glander on here now. Pick his brain. He, he'll he'll probably say no. It's just how the testimony is. I, I, I don't know, I, man. I still struggle believing. That, yeah. Cool. Um, during his trial, because his trial started in the spring that year, um, for John Gotti, the, the hey man, heat, Frank Sharon and <laughs> killed Jimmy Hart. The heat too, so that I was on him, um, if he would have had that, that because he knew he was being bad, would he have had that conversation? I don't know. I just, I can't see that conversation, and it's not a conversation I'd expect John Gotti Jr. would have had to have taken because at the end of the day, he's got two punks robbing his social clubs. And you're the organised crime, and your Gambino family. You're not going to need permission to wipe these two people out. So, it, I don't know. It just seems a bit. It just seems risky to use any armed <coughs> up guys, man. It seems like that's why I don't think it was the Gambinos. That's why I don't think it was Gambinos. I mean, and most of the information on that regarding John Gotti Jr. was from Mickey Scars. So, I mean, 
Yeah. Mikey Scott said he and uh, John Gotti Jr. Um, met with uh, Joe Messino and yeah. uh, Joe Messino, boss of the Bonanno family, and uh, his underboss, his brother-in-law, Sal Vitale, um, to settle it. And um, But the official credit was uh, was yeah, given to Pizzonia, So I'm giving the official credit to the Bath Ave crew. I'm a, I'm a conspiracy shit. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get Dave Brexit. <laughs> well, I, I, as I say, I don't, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I read enough what um, what the research is, is kind of suggested, but I don't know. I just can't see. I can't see it. I, I, it would have got dealt with because I mean, yeah, I, I think it would have just been dealt with. I don't think there would have been any need for a conversation within the Gambino to have got that dealt with. So for me, I, I, I'm kind of. Leaning, and again, we're we're going by rats. I mean, it, it's kind of it's very no, no, no. I'm saying Gambino ordered. I'm saying John Gotti Jr. came back from a meeting with Senior and was all like, "Yeah, uh, you know, you know, my dad wanted me to tell you guys that he wants me to kick this off uh, to the Bonanno guys. He feels like you guys yep. owe us, yada yada yada. You know, the God is always trying to boast. So they have the meeting with you know Joe Messino and you know uh, Salvatelli and all that. Bada bing. And then, you know, they lump in spare. I'm just like, I'm just going down a rabbit hole. This is not factual at all. Nobody take this for fucking this face value. This is what the shadow would be. <laughs> but they get with, they get with Sparrow. They're like, hey, you know, these two schmucks, right? They fucking, they hit one of your clubs. No, did they not? And then Sparrow's like, yeah, they hit one of them. And Sparrow, he had a fucking penchant for, you know, revenge. And he's like, you think you got any guys who can take care of this? It comes up from fucking senior over there in the pen. Junior says he wants us to take care of it or some kind of fucking who knows. You know how those goddies are. He's like, oh, I know how those goddies are. Don't worry. I got just the boys. Boom. Hits up the fucking Bath Avenue crew. And fucking bada bing. The drive by, the fucking, the, the, just the whole set. The fact that, like, these two matter, mm. but they don't to get clipped. You know what I mean? Like, I like I think, like. It's a it's a nice it's a touching sentiment it's a it's a cute story how we lumped them so much into the but had they have vanished into the wind or had they have just shot a bunch of wise guys and then disappeared to Costa Rica and somehow managed to get away we wouldn't mm. talk about them the money that those guys lost wouldn't have been a, it'd be a fucking joke it'd be a footnote it'd be nothing the reason we get to talk about them the reason the mob makes them so prevalent and I will say the mob makes them prevalent is because they ended up clipping them one way or another no matter who's right mm. in this yeah that makes sense another, yeah. like. You know, but that's the only reason we get to because I, I guarantee you, like it or not, there's plenty of people who have skis balled fucking oh, money out of the mob, gotten away with it, lived to talk about it. And like, there's not a mm. fucking thing that can be done about it. it took a $20,000 loan right before Jimmy Burke fucking gets given that 80, 80 year sentence. How is he ever going to collect? You're gone. You fucking Fugazi. As long as you got out of town, as long as you got out of Dodge, you know what I mean? Like. There's got to be millions of those stories. You don't get to hear about them because mm. they didn't get clipped. No, I, I totally agree, man. These aren't, yeah, these aren't, these, like you say, we're, we're kind of talking about them because they were killed. Um, they, yeah. And once <laughs> someone's killed, and especially in that way, that's going to bring in the law enforcement. So immediately oh, yeah. we're going to get to hear about it. But yeah, I don't, no, I don't think, oh, and that's what gets me that there must be. Um, enough information within now because I mean you've got the um, the three guys I mean years apart they, they didn't find the other lot until um, again Joe Messino mentioned about the bodies being married, buried um, John Ferrara was supposed to have been there as well on the border of Brooklyn and Queens at the uh, car park that was supposed to um, Coneglia's place funny enough um, but that Joe Messino said that they drove a little bit down the road after the shooting at the club. 
and handed the bodies over to the Gambinos because so so they owed them a favor. It's like, it, well, no, we didn't do it; they done it. And it's it just I don't know. It just seems a bit. Um, again, we're relying on the word of South uh, Italy, Joe Massino, who were putting it on the Gambinos. They're not. Yeah. They're not. They're not bringing it yeah. back for the bananas. They're putting it back on the Gambinos. So, and just so everybody's clear for all the listeners out there, because we haven't covered them yet, and we actually really need to because we bring them up quite a bit. Uh, Joe Massino, Big Joe Massino, is the I'm I'm pretty sure still to this day the only boss of a family to ever turn rat. Correct? Or somebody else uh, doing right now too? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's exactly. he's the only uh, one I, I believe. Forget when he turned, but yeah, he turned on the bananas and became the first boss to ever become an informant. Now that the government gave a fuck, I'm pretty sure he still got a hundred years or whatever he got. Yeah, well, he's out. He's out Masino's now. You know, um, he, yeah, he's in witness protection. He was released, and I want to say, yeah, um, long after two thousand five. I want to say, hunt, dude. I, I don't care what it takes. Who I got to bribe? Oh yeah, well. And that's what surprises me. It's like, you know, because um, Messino, he's a very reckon- recognizable guy. So even in witness protection, I'm surprised he hasn't been spotted. You know what I mean? Like, like for example, uh, Sonny Francis' son, John Francis Jr., uh, who ratted on his father and then went into witness protection uh, in Indianapolis. He was at a meeting, a uh, drug meeting, and some guy next to him says to him, uh, you know, do I know you? You look familiar. He's like, no, you don't know me. He goes, yeah, I do. You're John Francisi, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, John tried to deny it. And uh, th- this kid actually went back home and posted on Facebook that he's seen John Francisi Jr. in the um, in the meeting. And so and so because of that, the, uh, they, the witness protection wanted to move him somewhere else, but he refused. He liked where he was and all that. So it was either let us move you or you're no longer uh, in witness uh, protection. He was under, he, I think he was under the name Matt Pazzarelli. Um, and he actually, he lost about $1,000 a month that the government was giving him, um, you know, financial oh, aid I bet. and all that. I, like, I don't know how these guys, like, no wonder fucking, you know, shout, I mean, shout out to all of them fucking once again, Sammy the Bull. Like I said, let me fucking stack up some racks. I'll make it worth your while to come on here. But no, man, I, I can't imagine going yeah, from earning sh- what these fucking guys earn to, like, you're trying to hustle, like, book deals or you're trying to hustle fucking, you know, on-screen appearances or you're trying to hustle. Like, it can't even be fathomable. Like, I, like, I can't even imagine. Especially for, like, the ones that always get me are, like, the guys who, like, they used to hit banks. Mm. You know what I mean? Because for me, that, like, that's always been, like, the fucking, that's the end of the tunnel. You know, if both my parents pass, I'm not doing nothing with life. These podcasts don't blow up. I'm hitting banks, boys. It is what it is. Because that's where they keep the money. You know what I mean? So, like, I can't imagine going from all, like, yeah, man, I remember. Like, if Anthony Shea wasn't fucking doing 100 years, if he, like, somehow stopped crime and he would have got some sort of deal the way, you know, some of these uh, more profitable informants for the feds got because Shea just wasn't worth a fuck. Otherwise, he could have got a deal. But nonetheless, if you had to look back and be like, yeah, man, there was times where I had two big old duffel bags of money. Just money, just pure stack, fucking untouched, un brand new money on my back. And like, you know, I had to dip, dive, dodge, get to a safe house, blah, 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 blah. But then, you know, I, I had $200,000 in 14 minutes worth of work. I can't imagine it ever having to fucking do a podcast <laughs> or like get up to go do a regular day's worth of work. You know what I mean? Like, 
like I don't know. I can't. The one, the ones that get me though are the ones who like two bit hustle their way, like their way through the life. You know, what I mean, the Henry Hills, uh, as much as he's glorified, like he, he I mean, he, he was a nickel and dime hustler. He, you know, a card shark, a fucking. He'd hustle you at pool, you know, take a dollar anywhere he could. Same with, uh, yeah, Robin, yeah, Robin exactly. fucking pocket yeah, meters. Same with even like a lefty Ruggiero. You know, he might have been a made guy and that meant everything in the world to him, but that motherfucker was always broke. Always, always, always broke. And I just, I don't know, that's, I couldn't, I, I mean, even Gotti till he became boss, really. Like, we put Gotti on this huge pedestal and I respect his gangster like nobody's business, but until he really became boss, he was, I mean, he made what I made it make in a week. You know what I mean? Like, and and he was still pissing through money as boss. Um, like I read in Sammy's book about how, um, you know, John was constantly asking for money. And, you know, let's say if, you know, Sammy paid him once a month, let's say for all, uh, you know, whatever John's percentage was, sometimes John would want it early. Um, and they would even warn each other to Chico saying, like, hey, be careful, John's looking for money. Uh, you know, and but they'd like, go in and, uh, and go through that. But, um, you know, and Gotti was suspected of taking in around $12 million a year um, as boss of Gambino family, but he but would, he would gamble away three hundred thousand dollars on one single-handed dice was the most he ever gambled, gambled, according to Sammy. And a gambler, if they got a dollar in their pocket, are going to spend a dollar. If they got five hundred thousand dollars in their pocket, they're not going to be happy until they spend five hundred thousand dollars. So, <laughs> it, 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 the, the kind of value when it comes to gambling in one aspect is irrelevant. Well, unless they go chasing, which is normally what happens. So the bet, the bet gets bigger. Because they're chasing what they've lost, rather than thinking money. It's just it's mental. Guys, and you know one thing I would like I'm, to know is how how much I money guess, they I all they actually got from Robin the, uh, the social I'm clubs. Three quarters of a mil, ninety-two of the mob. Because I know they got jewelry. Prestige as it was, if they'd have been hitting it in seventy-two, we'd be talking a whole different figure, boys. But. 92, Sparrows Club, you said they hit a few, Gambino Club. I'm guessing, like I said, I'm going to guess three quarters of a mil, jewels included, like cashed out, you know, 750K, probably, my, my estimate. Oh, way more than that. Sparrows Club probably had that in 92. It's possible. I'd say at least 100 grand, you know what I mean? Probably more, but I mean, at least that – yeah, and when they when they uh in their car that day when they were killed, there was uh, I believe a couple grand, and there was also uh, jewelry. Yeah, um, they they must have. They um, found in there. I'm putting them on the they high end too. Nice I want to put them on a pedestal because you know he, they didn't get to live long. They didn't get to do much. You might do it once. If you're going to do it once, you either failed hugely, massively, and come away with five dollars. So therefore, you have to do it again. Or you've come away with such a lick that you're like, we That's need my to do thing. this and again. If you hit us, and if you hit a certain club twice, I'm guessing that was probably like a hundred and fifty thousand dollar cash cow for them or something. Yeah, like, I mean, it I, had to have been a big old lottery ticket. We well, yeah, you're only going to go back if the first one was worth <laughs> it, isn't you? Unless you unless you went there and got absolutely nothing, the only way that you're going to go back is if you've had a good hit. If they walked out of there with a thousand dollars, I wonder how many. No I wonder how many like good takes they got. Like you tell these fuckers to empty their pockets, and they got a lead on a horse in their pocket, along with fifteen hundred bucks, along with the yeah, well, you know four thousand dollars on the card table, along with the twenty two 
grand in the safe along with all the jewelry along you know and then all of a sudden you know look you know uh lucky girl number nine you know thursday's race fucking 9 30 a.m sharp circled however they did it you know I, w- I wonder how many leads they got well once you get down on the road of enough is never enough you can kind of look at it from the other side and think not enough will soon be enough because you'll just be like oh if that's all we're going to get what's the point of robbing the mafia what's what's where's where's the buzz if we're coming away with a hundred dollars so for them to keep the motivation to keep let's say they've done the minimum of six to keep that motivation to keep going to doing the mafia every single time you must have been getting some fantastic reward out of it yeah and in both movies rob the mob and wannabe um when he's robbing the clubs he's there was a few times where he's saying, that's it. That's all you guys have. Like, uh, so I don't know if maybe in some of them, the m- amount was so low, but it's a good question. Yeah, I'm, I'm they, if they were doing it because they weren't, if they kept robbing like them because they weren't getting much money or they kept robbing because, because they Dave were getting before, It's not something the mob really wants to come out and admit to. Only like the real big ones, the real notable ones, can they be like, yeah, they got us. But like how many, you know, nickel and dime, like they wouldn't even be called social clubs. They'd be like the, the kids club in a Bronx sale with what's his name? Joey D. You know, where fucking to where like they're just a bunch of like knock around guys. You know, I wonder how many of those they hit along with like certified social clubs, you know. Well, you got to think, Ian, what you got to think is they got the information about the clubs that they were going to from Sammy the Bull. Now, why is Sammy the Bull going to be sitting in a court giving testimony as a rat talking about? Real low Where's bottom clubs. Is. He's going to be talking money. about where the top guys are, isn't he? Um, where the top crews are. Because at the end of the day, he's not. No, what I'm saying on their own. The you know I mean? like he's not going to be dealing with idiots. You can't tell me that they were just giving so, a list of social clubs and they were like, yep, that's it. Those are the only ones we hit. Fuck no, you hit two or three. It's eventually like banks. Like even if somebody sets it up for you and they're like, look, don't hit no banks without me. I know what I'm doing. That's the only reason you're getting away with it. Like you'll be like, yeah, okay. Like, they come away with the hierarchy of one oh, of the yeah, families. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. I'm saying That's like the, 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 the in-between. Who? What soldier's going <laughs> to have that in his pocket? Do you know what I mean? Joey, with Joey D. So the clubs, they must have been hitting. So I, you, do you know what, Ian? I don't think you, you could be that no, far that's what from I'm the saying, truth. Man. It's like, because if there's one thing I've learned about stick-up about artists, it. it's that like the, the, the surefire stick-ups are never the thing. Stick-up artists are gamblers in their own right. You know what I mean? Like they, they, love, the, they love the buzz. They love the rush. They love that this might not work out this time. Even though, like, even though they hate it, even though when they end up on the other end of the gun, they're begging him. Clearly, they didn't get any more death. Like, ah, oh, fuck, this sucks. Blah blah blah. You're a gambler, you know what I mean? You like that? It's like Anthony Shane, the No Name Gang. It's like fucking the two guys from North Hollywood mm-hmm. shootout. It's like, I mean, really, I mean, really, any time, like, big time taker, like the two guys in South Boston who robbed the art museum. That's the biggest robbery in history. I'm pretty sure. Like, that was that had to have been dumb luck of the draw. There's no way those two knew what they were getting into. There's no way. The more the more shit jobs, the more shit jobs you do, the less enthusiasm yeah. you're going to have, or the more desperation you're going to have. The more money you start making, the braver you become. You don't become braver through I mean, desperation. That's not true. Bonnie, Bonnie you just Clyde get more or less just got by the whole crime spree. They, like they robbed enough to buy themselves fancy guns, good cars, nice clothes, good food when they were on the run, but they lived in and out of fucking. Slum ridden motels, getting in shootouts, living in cars, you know, sleeping in the woods. They died almost penniless, but like they had a good time doing it. Some like for some people, like I really do think 
But they were paying for their lifestyle, wouldn't they? Oh. Exactly. And all gangsters, the all gangsters were known to have that when um, you're broke, you're like, I'll just go a out, lot of like, cash on yeah, them exactly. at all times. Yeah, exactly. When I was broke, I would go out and rob some more. You know what I mean? Like, because why not? Uh, yeah, everything I bet. I bet hey, yeah, my uh, my yeah, uncle. Yeah, I mean, he always had a water cash on him. Hey, hey, he Bobby, used to give hey, me a fifty for fucking uh, ice cream. <laughs> yeah. And when he was arrested, when he was arrested, my uncle was arrested in nineteen ninety two in the um the Dramex thing. Uh, he placed two hundred and fifty thousand cash bail immediately. You know, and it's um. Oh yeah, I just go show you how much man. cash Doesn't these guys like, have on their hands. And two hundred fifty k was, Mickey, you know, Mickey, it's a lot now. It was a lot back like in the early nineties. A, a you know a Chase Bank blue bank bag, and they're all like, "What the fuck is this?" Zip, flop, boom. There you go. There's your fucking cash. But they've only got hit one on the right day as well. I'm guessing that. I'm guessing that's the one where they hit the right day when the money was being delivered. Club, you were saying that they hit twice. I'm guessing the first time they hit it. Must have been collection day. Must have just must have just happened to be that day where you know they had gotten all the boys and mm. you know everybody but maybe a few guys had given their envelope over and you came into fucking fourteen, fifteen envelopes that in that anything, sector dude. of fucking whoo God bless. I can't imagine. Oh yeah. Then we're That's talking guess the number, double it, triple it, quadruple it, add a few minutes on the end of it. Like, yeah, I'm sure there's you know, there's some clubs they hit where they're like man 2200 bucks these guys are living like shit but i'm sure there's some clubs where they hit where they're like 68 grand whoo this is why we robbing baby and they got to lay in a bed full of money and fucking to have sex on it and whatever mm-hmm. you know that mm-hmm. yeah in the movie in the movie Wannabe, um, it really focuses on uh, how Thomas Uva uh, inspired to be a gangster. Like, it was all, you know, it was all he wanted to do, they said. And um, it was actually funny when um, he goes and sees, um, oh, I forget I forget the actor's name, but he goes he goes and sees them at the club, and, they, and no one wanted him to come in the club. And so, he, you know, he, he comes outside, and he's like, what are you doing? You can't come around. He's like, I know, I know. He always thought, like, you know what I mean, like, that they liked him. He's like, I know, I know, I, I know. There's a little bit of I just got a jail. There's a little bit of heat on me right now. So I, don't, yeah, and then yeah, which that was the case. They wanted him gone. Like it wasn't because he had heat on him. And and he goes, um, he right? goes, you come on, you know. When I went like to jail, I kept my mouth shut for you guys. Like, he goes, kept your mouth shut for us. Mm. No one told you to rob that blockbuster. <laughs> and and you know what? Right, saying that the um. We brought John up, John Gotti Jr. up quite a few times. The amount of charges he was facing, the amount of trials he was facing as well, and yet he could stum all the way through. I mean, he's got to get huge respect for that. Ah, huge yeah, man. respect. That Travolta movie he made was fucking wild. Yeah. I'm glad you're right. Mm-hmm. Did he? Oh, that he wasn't really. He didn't did really. Like, uh, he sold the rights to it. So, how bad that would have been? Yeah, for about a half million. All right. I well, believe that was all they got. Yep. And so he didn't really God have damn, much, uh, much say in how how the movie went and all that. 
But I actually no, I'm that not documentary that's about John Glenn Jr. I actually, you know, have like, some respect for him because I always yeah. thought I mean, like I um, he, does know he wanted to be a gangster, and you know, you know, I used to with you and yeah. Yeah, because when his uncle first talked to him, because uh, John Gotti had his brother Peter approach John Gotti Jr. about uh, about joining them. That there's actually a surveillance photo of them talking outside of the uh, the club. Peter said, "Let's go for a walk," and uh, Peter says to him, "You know, we want you know we want you to hang around us more and uh, become one of us." And John Gotti goes, uh, mm-hmm. "I don't know. I'll have to think about it." So he didn't really want you know to be involved. Uh, too much because he probably seen how bad things were yeah, going I, for everybody I else, like his father I, um, and all that. It, well, I, I think slightly before yeah. that that documentary, and Shadow of My Father, I think is a fantastic book as well, and I think that gives you quite a lot away. I think John got quite a bad rap, uh, Junior, um, ever since really. But then he, he's, I mean, he's yeah, kind I mean, of I, been I, on the I, I guess I'm being a little a little biased. I, I thought he had more to do in the making of that movie, and I was just like, come on, man, like. Yeah. No, I mean you're. I mean you're, you dig into that more than I do, you know. It's possible, but I mean, oh, just from him. what I heard, I don't. You know, I don't. He was on set, and that's where I think's biased, and that's the that's. The, I mean, and like, he was their best uh, source for the information the about his father too. You know what say, I mean? So they uh, had a. Uh, like... oh, oh, I don't know. I watched I watched the Armand Asante one again the other day, and my. Uh... <laughs> Armand yeah, Asante, yeah, the 1996 one. Yeah, that was the no, American, Watch American Gangster. He's just doing his uh, 1996. He nailed it. Yeah, it's just him. <laughs> he's a gangster and everything. He just looks uh-huh. like a gangster. I see right, him playing some straight not so long ago, and he's like, nah, it don't work, bro. Get back playing gangster. Play gangster. Hell yeah! Big shout out to Ciro. Yeah, um, Ciro is actually in talks with getting Armand Asante to come on and film the uh, Bob King movie. I want to give a big shout out to my tattoo artist Drew Anderson from Serenity. All you gotta do is, uh, you know, Instagram or Facebook his page, Drew Anderson Tattoos. Uh, He's fucking amazing, and he's pretty much gonna do my entire body by the time I'm said and done with it. I want to give another shout out to my own podcast, Tilly Time Tuesdays. It's, uh, I mean, it's it's like my baby right now. You know, I'm, you know, I'm molding it. I'm trying to get it to where I want it, but it's a huge passion project of mine. Uh, another shout out to my boy Brandon Antonini. He's a, a fellow t- tower climber, but he also is in cahoots with an individual who is going to line me up with a whole section of Wise Guys Hideaway gear. So big shout out to Antonini. Yeah, that's for you, brother. A shout out to my boy Bob Barnsworth and our podcast that we've just started up called Movie Buff Romance. It's just us fucking talking shit, reviewing movies, kind of like mob history like I do with these boys, but with my other buddy from a whole different sector of my life. So big shout out to that. And last but certainly not least, this little old individual that I came across the other day, Izzy Walters. She's from Lapeer, Michigan. Uh, You can Facebook her, Instagram her, I'm sure. But she's an artist. She's got really, really dope-ass... like uh, water stencil paintings. I don't know. I can't fucking draw or paint or do anything besides talk shit, obviously. So, but yeah, Izzy Walters, she's an amazing artist. And I told her I'd give her a plug on here because she definitely fucking deserves it. And I know she needs to sell some of her artwork right now. So <laughs> big shout out to her. Now, that is all I fucking got, gentlemen. So if one of you guys want to loop us out of here so these people can stop hearing me talk.
I, I just want to say that um, not only oh, has this been the longest show that we've recorded, it's been one of, I've, I've loved it, but we only decided about an hour, about an hour and a half ago that we were going to do it. That's what makes me laugh. No, the best episodes are the ones <laughs> we just wing. <laughs> that that's what shows everybody how we don't how much we don't prepare for them you know what I mean like oh, yeah. we just fucking well, we knew we were going to do the Bob at some yeah, stage this morning is we? when we but came up with this like Ian, Ian messaged this morning and it was like like you guys want to yeah, yeah we did like an hour like this Saturday is fucking New Year's new you know hideaway come fucking rob the mob with us blah blah yeah bullshit it's happening today we'll do something else Saturday <laughs> Hell yeah, man! Just repost this, repost this year. Happy New Year, everyone! <laughs> Can't be much worse. And I just want to—I just want to add as he, as Ian was just talking about um, mob art. Pretty soon, coming to uh, America Social Club, we're gonna have all kinds of art, uh, mob art for sale. Um, not just art, regular uh, regular pitches. Um, I just got you know a new. Uh, a new printer to get all that shit going. Um, so anybody who's interested, follow our pages and um, you, you'll get, you'll get the updates. Well, also we're going to make it very affordable. You, you can just order the, the picture or you can have it framed. Um, you can have it. We'll, you can get a cheap frame. You could do an expensive, expensive frame. We're going to make it very uh, affordable to everyone. And launching for the so first we're, uh, we're looking forward to that. Time. Sorry, and we'll Dave, take requests. Anything you guys want done, you know, you come to me, Ian, and Dave. Guys, and, uh, right away, we'll as well as Tilly Time Tuesdays, as well as Movie Buff Romance, is all going to fall under one sort of banner, uh, as well as any other sort of podcast, you know, Zoom, YouTube, whatever the fuck I start. Uh, it's going to be called Lost Cause Productions. And so, yeah, welcome to the Lost Cause Productions nice. phase of my life, 2021. Uh, definitely lumping in Omerita and everything Dave does, everything Rob does. Anything they do will definitely be, you know, definitely be fucking sponsored and just promoted the shit out of via Lost Cause Productions and wherever I go with this. Uh, big shout out to Seth Ferranti. I hope that your dealings or whatever you have going on wraps up soon because I want to fucking get you on here, brother. Shout out to Casey McBride. We got to do another one soon. And Ciro DiPaggio, whenever you're free, dog, you just let me know. All right. You boys take us the fuck out of here. Yeah, I just want to say to you guys, really, I just want to wish you both a happy new year. And once right, again, I- it's been a wonderful year. And I'm so glad that we connected um, when we did a few years back. It's just been your your friendship and support has been absolutely everything to me. So to you two, boom. I love you guys. Yeah, same here. I mean, I feel the exact uh, same way about you guys. And if everybody thinks, you know, know, like (laughs) what we did in 2020, 2021, we got way more shit coming from you guys. we're more focused, Happy more New focused year, and everyone. ready to go than ever. Happy New Year, brothers. So, Love you guys. And you. <laughs> and you.